All right, welcome to Puck It, We'll Do It Live, our pre-recorded Minnesota Twins podcast. Shout out to Fiddle Nation. It, it is Monday, September 9th, and we have a lot to talk about today. We've got a, uh, a massive suspension to Michael Pineda, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Uh, I am the managing editor of The Athletic Minnesota, joined as always by Dan Hayes, our Twins beat writer, coming to us live from Target Field shortly after the Twins wrapped up their series with the Indians on Sunday. And, uh, Dan, it did not go so well, did it? Yeah, it was uh, it was ugly. I mean, the Twins went into it uh, with a, a lineup that resembled a team that won on Saturday night. And, and they kind of are taking advantage of their, their cushion that they built up. You know, going into Sunday, had a seven-game uh, advantage in the loss column, uh, six-and-a-half game lead overall. And, um, they... they really took advantage no nelson cruz no miguel sano obviously byron buxton's been out for a while um you know looking at that group and and it wasn't a very formidable lineup there were quite a few rookies in there although lamont wade had some nice at bats um but yep. going up against clevenger mike clevenger that's uh that's a tough uh yep. road to hoe for anybody and that twins lineup did not look great against him although they they gave themselves some late um and especially against the bullpen but you know, that was a game that they were willing to surrender for um, for some basic rest and help, and, and I think that was pretty evident when the lineup came out. Um, they were going to play no matter what, obviously, and be try to be competitive, but uh, that was definitely a management, a rest and recovery sort of game, and it got even more so after Max Kepler left after the uh, first inning there, um, after his first at-bat. Yeah, it was uh, an uphill battle, to be sure, facing Clevenger with uh, with Dobnik on the hill for the Twins. And as you mentioned, the lineup kind of in, in, in a little bit of uh, bits and pieces. I didn't see much of it uh, because I uh, uh, we've officially entered football season. I get pulled in many directions. But I did see the seventh inning, and the Twins, to their credit, still had a chance to get back in that game. And it kind of felt like the theme of the last two nights is they had opportunities to um, – to, to get a big hit, to get back in it. And on Saturday, from Mitch Gar Sunday, uh, two strikeouts with the bases loaded from C.J. Crone and then uh, Mitch Garver in the seventh. That sort of uh, sealed their fate in that one. But the uh, the bases loaded jinx continues to be a real thing. They're 27th in baseball entering Sunday uh, in batting average with the bases loaded. But can't always get the hits. They got one on Saturday. They didn't on Sunday and on Friday, uh, a, a late lead. Uh, went went uh, away after a misplayed ball in right field by Lamont Wade. So you're seeing a lot of extended playing time from these guys, Dan, obviously both because of injuries and because of uh, the fact that they're trying to kind of rest and recover and, and get things. And that's the virtue of having the lead that they have. Losing two out of three is not what they wanted, but it isn't disaster either. No, exactly. And and real quick, uh, before we jump into the it not being a disaster, actually, we'll cover that real quick. This was a good series for the Twins. They lost two of three, but they didn't allow Cleveland. If they don't come back Saturday, this is a disaster for the Twins. Uh, but because they came back on Saturday, had the nice victory, um, you know, they're in a lot better position. The Twins are up five and a half on the Indians. The Indians have a flight out to California. They play the Los Angeles Angels. Um, three nights in a row, right away, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They get no break on this road trip, and, and you know, it's, that's a tough schedule after three tenths games in Minneapolis against the Twins. Uh, had the Indians swept, and you're looking at the Indians three and a half out, and Michael Pineda's 
done for the season. That's a that's a huge that's taken a leg out, especially with some of the injuries the Twins are experiencing right now. Um, but they were able to get the win on Saturday night and you know keep them five and a half back and six in the loss column. So huge. But hey, uh, you're talking about the bases loaded um, struggles of the Twins, and um, I'm guessing. Do you remember? You saw the Water Boy, right? Uh, it's been a long time, but <laughs> yes, I did. Well, do you remember the bowl game that they realized that Bobby Boucher is going to help uh, the Mud Dogs come all the way back in the Bourbon Bowl uh, by just playing defense? So the to take away Bobby Boucher, the coach basically just takes a knee on every play and, and lets the offense run the clock that way, and then Bobby <laughs> Boucher create turnovers. I think it would be radical if, like, say, the Yankees or the Astros in the playoffs – just walked the twins, loaded the base, just to see what would happen for like one game. <laughs> just in instantly four intent or three intentional walks, bases loaded, no outs, and and you might have a no hitter. Like it, it's quite possible it's you have a no hitter. Yeah, it's bizarre. Worst worst on base percentage in the league. I'm just looking worst at worst OPS it was, with ba- yeah. or maybe it's like the 27th OPS. It's it's really bad though. It's no, it's worse. Yeah, good. 549. And then with runners in scoring position though. Second best average, 289, best on 60, third best OPS, 871. So it's crazy. Second, second and third is no problem, or just second or third. But as soon as you load them up, it just gets uh, it gets dicey. But um, the, aside from Pineda, which again we'll we'll get to in a second, uh, the other concerning news, I guess, from the weekend, uh, or at least uh, things that raised our eyebrows. Uh, Byron Buxton headed back to California to see a specialist, although apparently it's a planned thing. And then Max Kepler leaving Sunday's game uh, right away, pretty much. Dan, what do you know about those two situations? Yeah, Buxton is going to see Dr. Neil Elitrash. This was planned because what happened is the Twins and Buxton's uh, team kind of got together and said, look, if if there's not a ton of progress after a little while, you know, he left, obviously, the August 25th game. He rejoined the Twins on August 28th, um, and they basically said, we're going to shut him down, pause him here, and and if we're not seeing the progress that we need to see, um, we will have him go to L.A. and see Dr. Neil Elitrash. Usually not a great thing to be going and seeing him. Uh, Elitrash? Yes, yes. Uh, He is a... uh, How do you spell that? E-L, capital E, capital A, no space, uh, a trash, A T T R A C H E. Um, okay, trash. And no, I can't. Trash. I can't okay. use it in a sentence, nor will I give you the root definition of it. But uh, he uh, he's trash. not the guy you want to. Yeah, he's not the guy you want to necessarily see. So they're getting a second opinion. Um, you know, E Ray Adrian's had a a subluxation of his shoulder last year too and was not able to bat from that side. I believe he wasn't able to bat right-handed all the rest of the year. And then he had to have it stabilized after the offseason, like surgery. Prefer to go through rehab, but surgery is a possibility. Um, and that might be the case here. We don't know. The The twins aren't aware. They're It's open right now, and they're not sure what's going to be discovered, but they want the second opinion and so Buxton's spending the day off flying to California. Um, they should know some more by Tuesday when uh, the team reconvenes. As far as Max Kepler, it's his scap muscle. He has SCAP muscle on his shoulder. 
He has dealt with this for months, he said. Uh, he thinks he irritated it in Boston with a couple throws. And, you know, he's been he's been fighting through a ton of stuff all season, knee stuff and, and this, and uh, got irritated to the point where he couldn't finish his swing very well on Sunday. And they wanted to get him out of there because they, they saw it, and um, he'll get an MRI on Monday. With him, I think it's more on the case of irritation and a little rest that they're you know, I don't think that they're over concerned, even though he used the word concerning, which is never great. But, uh, you know, he I, he's been playing it with this for a while. So that leads you to believe that maybe it's not uh, something detrimental. But um, at the same time, both things happened on the same day. And then Miguel Sano did not play. A lot of people were wondering why he didn't pinch hit in the ninth inning against Brad Hand, him being a right handed bat. And uh, Barack Baldelli said after the game, all our right handed bats were. Uh, Lamar was our last right-handed bat, and so we didn't have him available. Sano has been dealing with a little bit of back soreness. So um, a lot of fun. All you're looking now for is uh, Jim Carrey to jump in and say, our head uh, are falling off. Um, it's it's not that severe. It's just sort of in a uh, – it feels that way, but it's really not that severe. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Sano, Cruz, and Kepler all against the uh, – Washington Nationals when they come to town at uh, Producer Adams, Washington Nationals. Producer Adams, Washington Nationals indeed. Next up as the Twins uh, try to quite literally limp to the finish line and finish off the AL Central here. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Michael Pineda. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Saturday's game and everything that went into that uh, emotional win. All of that stuff was pre-recorded, uh, So uh, it was done with Producer Adam on vacation at the beach and we were worried that we were not going to be able to have the second edition of nationals minute and perhaps the most important time to have the nationals minute right before the nationals come to town. But we came back into the studio, our offices and are recording again with producer Adam, just to bring you the nationals minute. So stick around for that at the very end of the show. You will hear me say during the next segment that we will not be having the nationals minute, but we will at the end of the show. But the big story of the weekend, Dan, out of uh, Twins World, of course, is Michael Pineda's suspension. 60 games for taking a uh, banned sub or testing positive for a banned substance. Uh, Pineda says it was a mistake, says it was a medication to uh, to help with his uh, keep his weight under control. But uh, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Uh, out 60 games, out the rest of the season, and just a, a very devastating blow for the Twins staff. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot to be in uh, for the Twins because, you know, this was something where Michael Pineda, um, because of the uh, mitigation provision, it's the first time ever in MLB's joint drug program history that the mitigation uh, provision has been used. The arbitration, uh, the arbiter basically said, they didn't think there was agent, uh, enough of this uh, evidence to to think that Michael Pineda was uh, masking this, that, that he was using, you know, the, the drug he used is, a, is sometimes seen as a masking agent and um, is something that you can go in and use PEDs behind it and just say you were using this and, and it covers up that PED use. The arbiter did believe him, basically. So it's a weird, weird position because... Michael Pineda is so important to this team. His last 15 starts, he had like a 3.04 ERA in those, 90 strikeouts and 87 innings. 
And and so you think, all right, it's PEDs. It's not. It's just him using a diet pill, and and not. It, it's it was it's still on the ban list because it's used as a masking agent, and and basically it's a weird spot. He's not according to the arbitration or the arbiter cheating, but he still used something that you have to ask whether or not to use it. And because of this, he's getting a 60 game suspension. There's, there's no way around. Basically when you take something on that ban list, you are essentially messing up. And um, so they have to feel a little disappointed because he didn't think about what he was putting into his body and it's costing him and this team right now. Um, it's it's uh, <laughs> man. I don't know how to how to really <laughs> describe it because like I, I get where the twins are as far as they get that he's not being you know the players know he's not being a bad guy on this, but at the same time he took something he shouldn't have, and so it's got to be so confusing for for those guys right now. Probably a little like. You know, talking to guys about it afterwards, you know, they they were they were caught. They were sort of at a loss for words because you you know that the dude didn't try to do anything wrong, but inherently he did something wrong by taking something he shouldn't have, um, and and it cost them as a group, and and it was a really emotional day in there. Um, we can get that in a second, but basically, you you start yesterday with news that everyone was shocked by. Uh, the only person I think that really knew what was going on, I know the Twins uh, leadership kind of found out late Friday night um, and, and was trying to work around it. But with the exception of Nelson Cruz and maybe a guy or two others, um, they all found out yesterday. And, and there was a lot of shock, a lot of disappointment for the team, for, for Pineda knowing that he wasn't trying to do anything. But... Uh, in the end, though, you're still dealing with this 60-game suspension that could have been prohibited or prevented by by him asking anyone what about this drug, um, and unfortunately, he didn't, and so here they are. And the suspension was originally supposed to be 80 games, as most of these uh, suspensions are, but it was reduced to 60 because of his. Um, his sort of the way he approached it, I guess, with the arbiter. You right. in your story last night said that a source said that whereas most players going through the process are contentious, Pineda was easygoing comparatively. So it, it, it as you said, obviously the arbiter, uh, the arbitrator, um, this was not a attempt to, to mask a PED. Um, right. At the, at the end of the day, I guess you're taking him at his word on that, but um, it, the bottom line is you're responsible for what goes in your body, and I think it's uh, it's a it's a sh- shitty thing, of course, for the twins. But um, you, you there's really no choice in this situation but to defend him. You can't make an exception just because you believe this guy versus the guy that had the same excuse or whatever. So, um, but what what did surprise me um, was uh, the twins' response. Dan seemed to be um, mostly that of support. I was messaging with you. Uh, throughout the day yesterday and I said I'd be pretty pissed I feel like as a player because uh, certainly it's got to be a lot to try to keep in your head to remember that like you literally can't ingest anything without your you know your team first to make sure it's right it's good but 
So I get that that's got to be a, a burden, but man, the stakes are high, and this was just a real, real bad time for this to happen. I, well, I think if uh, I'm wondering if him being in there on Saturday and addressing them helped yep. it because I'm sure guys were upset. Um, I mean, this is a big part of their team. He's been their best pitcher since the all-star break. And, and really, if you go back to June 7th when he returned, he's been their best pitcher. Those numbers are hard to argue with. I mean, it, every time out, it seemed like six innings, one run, maybe two, but that was it. And he had a lot of swings and misses, and he was consistent and keeping them in games. And sometimes some of their toughest losses would occur on days he started because he'd go six and the six, give up a run, Leave with the lead, but it was a tight game, and the bullpen might blow it. Um, Just like Friday. That happened. Yeah, on Friday that happened, obviously. So you wonder if guys are, are mad. I mean, they, they have a right to be. This is something mm-hmm. that could have been prevented. Um, and, and I think on that evidence, uh, you know, I didn't get too deep in the weeds on this, but I would have to think there was no real evidence of anything else in there. And obviously a masking agent takes care of that, but um, – you know, it does not. It doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of. Uh, I mean, for the for the arbiter to to invoke this this clause, the mitigation provision, for the first time in the history of this program, yeah, uh, it says a lot because they deal with a lot of these cases and it goes through goes to appeals a lot of the time and and you rarely ever see anything get changed. Um, so so clearly something there, but. I do have to think that because he came in and addressed the players, and it sounds like he was a mess. Uh, he, he really wanted to talk to them. Um, Nelson Cruz got up with him and addressed the group, and you know Nelson Cruz got the 50-game suspension himself in 2013 for his uh, being in, um, related to the or being uh, discovered as part of the biogenesis scandal, and yeah. um, you know so he was. The first person I went to, eh, let's 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 be honest. For everybody went up to Mitch Garver after Saturday's game, uh, after his heroics. But but uh, I kind of snuck off in the middle of it to go talk to Nelson Cruz, knowing that he had been involved. And and first of all, that was one of the most fun and candid interviews I've had. It's, it's so weird that that's what it took to have a fun and candid interview. But that was just uh, it was the end of a long day and. Um, the the fun part was when we talked about the pitch that got Nelson Cruz ejected from the bench, but uh, you know just knowing that I wanted to talk to Nelson Cruz and find out what what his purpose was and and this is just going back to more of Nelson Cruz the ultimate teammate and the biggest the the leader of this group um, he knew he needed to be there for for Michael Pineda because he knew what Michael Pineda had been feeling you know they had been talking for weeks on this Nelson Cruz said. Uh, because the the process takes forever, I'm sure the appeal was like a month or something along that line, minimum. Um, but you know the just going up and asking him about it, and he said that he had been advising Michael Pineda, and he said you know he's going to appreciate baseball even more when he gets back because uh, let me find the quote here while we're while we're talking. Uh, but but he basically was advising him and saying. You're gonna like this. You're gonna you're gonna be so into this when you get back. He said uh, his quote specifically. I didn't get to use it in the story because it just didn't fit. But he said, um, "I told him after this, he's gonna come up stronger because he's gonna appreciate the game more. 
and be a better person, better teammate. Definitely, when you take something away, the way we love baseball, it definitely impacts your life. You definitely want to hold on to it when you come back. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff he's been talking to him about and, and making sure that Pineda was stand up. I can't imagine that it was easy to stand in front of this team that you've just disappointed and, and do it. And, and he was a wreck when he did it, but he insisted on it. And I, I, I heard that uh, post game last night from someone else that he absolutely wanted to get up there in front of the guys and show them. And, and I think that got him some serious respect because, you know, I remember when this happened, I actually asked uh, Sergio Romo before the game about 2012 because Melky Cabrera was in the middle of a career year and then he got suspended. Melky Cabrera disappeared. Nobody saw him again. Uh, Marlon Byrd, nobody saw him again when he when it happened with him with the Indians. And so Pineda made a point to stand up and, and talk. And, and uh, you know, Jason Castro got up and spoke for on his behalf. Um, there were There was a whole bunch of stuff that that went on and and uh one person everybody was in there i mean there must have been 40 or 50 people in there one person said it was sort of a bummer it was just a it was a very it was a surreal experience that going on and uh the twins then carried it out onto the field the emotion of it i mean you could tell last night and let's dive into that but i mean it was a very emotional game, and and so you get the two back-to-back. It was a, a long, long, exhausting day for players, you could tell. Well, uh, Pineda, obviously, uh, as you mentioned, Dan, has been nails in the last couple of months. Since June 29th, uh, 2.76 ERA in 65 innings is just far and away the best on the staff among the main starters, Odorizzi. Is in second place with 4.82, and Gibson, Barrios, and Perez are all over five in that span. As the Twins' starting pitching has gone the wrong direction as the season's gone on, his has gotten better and and uh, a tough loss. So, um, where easily the would have turn? been a, he he yeah. easily would have been their their guy easily. He would have game yeah. one or two starter yeah. in the playoffs. And uh, so one, where, one point I want I want to just add ahead. one thing. Uh, learned from talking to baseball uh, sources yesterday, had this suspension happened like July 1, had there been time left in the season because of that provision, um, you know, usually it's automatically a PED suspension, no postseason for players. Yeah. Yeah. But because that mitigation provision was put in, or was because he was his appeal was uh, successful in that way with the mitigation provision, had he been able to return before the season ended, he would have been eligible for the playoffs. So it's just a, a, a case of bad luck in, in mm-hmm. this for the Twins. That's, that's how much you know they they behind him. But obviously with 21 games to go, um, going, into, going into Saturday, there were 21 games left. He can only serve 21 of those 60 this year and then 39 more next season to start, uh, which should we'll, we'll talk about that in the offseason season about his future but that should be interesting on his end um yeah it's a big loss um you know Odorizzi has been decidedly better as we we talked about last maybe two three shows ago with the way he's uh rebounded Martin Perez actually four of his last five 
have been very good starts, but yep. this is a huge yep. blow. Yeah, I think the formula, you know, for the postseason for the Twins prior to this was Pineda keeps being as sharp as he is. Barrios hopefully stabilizes, uh, obviously in the midst of a bad slump, and then Jake Odorizzi uh, returns to All Star Jake form, and boy, he could not have picked a better time to do that <laughs> than uh, yeah. Saturday night on the heels of that news. What a game from him on Saturday uh, when the Twins needed it most. It's- just lighting up the zone with strikes and got so many swings and misses. Um, he really has stepped up his game. You know, last night he had 20 swings and misses. That was his second most of the season. And it was 99 pitches. And it was so efficient. And he ran out of gas in the sixth inning. Um, I think you tweeted about it. Uh, baseball gods, how cruel to be just cruising like this and then all of a sudden three batters and he's losing three batters later you are uh you kind of lose it um it it, it was definitely for him unfortunate and for them unfortunate but they were in such a good you know it was a tight game they got what they needed out of him but you know we uh we talked about it that was the highlight for him of what has now been an eight start stretch um you know obviously like a little more length than what uh, he's given them, but in eight starts, 44 and a third innings since that Yankee blow up, basically. Yep. 44 and a third innings, 305 ERA, 54 strikeouts, and, and 44 and a third, uh, 15 and the walks. The team is so, seven and one in those games, too. Yeah. So he is starting to pick up right when they need him most. I mean, this is imperative that the Twins get what Jake Odorizzi gives them. Um, consistently and and that was a really big thing to see it in a game like that against the indians um he's done that against them all season long he's had a really good year when cleveland's in town but to see him do it with that pressure that they felt um that was huge that uh, you know you're you're talking about the time when you need him most and he, he delivers and those numbers against the indians two and oh and four Starts the season with a 161 ERA. And I remember talking to Zach Meisel, our Indians writer, about him going into this year and saying, hey, my, you know, Odorizzi's good. And last year, that wasn't the case against the Indians. He struggled. If you remember, he started in Puerto Rico, the game when Lindor hit the two home runs, and everybody was going crazy because Lindor was hit killing the ball in Puerto Rico and had the big home run. Jake Odorizzi mm-hmm. did not pitch well against the Indians last year. Uh, Lindor owned him last year, and and he came right out of the gate on Saturday night, struck them out on, on 12 pitches, uh, struck out the side on 12 pitches. And it was – you could just tell he had something about him last night that um, really when you saw that, you knew that he was trying to lead the team. And it turns out everybody had that same emotion Saturday night. Um, it, it was a uh, – a huge performance for them across the board. Um, obviously, Odorizzi was outstanding, but Mitch Garver, you know, jumps out there early and gets the crowd really into it with the solo home run. Um, and the emotion just kept going everywhere. And it was in every aspect of Nelson Cruz. So we'll get back to that now. Uh, you know, he, he gets this ejected after the sixth inning for arguing balls and strikes when CJ Crone was up and Laz Ridiculous Diaz the strike. Call. Oh my goodness. I mean 
the way that Roberto Perez set up out there before was so blatant. It, give Roberto Perez. Yeah. Uh, there was a great. There's a great. Um, Roberto Perez is an amazing framer. Actually, on on Friday's game, I saw a video clip of it. Um, uh, one of the other writers showed me it. One of their pitchers bounced the ball, and Perez caught it on the bounce, and then tried to frame it as if it was a regular <laughs> pitch. And he, so this guy has the balls of like he is just so. He's it's it's amazing what he does and gets away with back there. Uh, he's elite at pitch framing, so he just sets up you know five inches off the plate. Oh no, Laz won't notice this. Just nothing to see here. Laz sets up outside, and the pitch was five inches off the plate. And so Cruz, you know, I, we're talking. We have this this interview about him being a great teammate uh, for for Pineda, and um, and then I said, uh, you, even you got ejected. Like he, he's like it was an emotional day, and he's like, yeah, it was a really emotional day. And and I said, I mean, even you got ejected. And he laughs. He's, and then his voice hits this new level that I've not heard, and I didn't put in the story. But he said, "Did you see that pitch?" And it was like, you know, Nelson Cruz has got the deep bass voice, and but like he laughed out loud when he when he's talking about the ejection because that's only his second career ejection. That's his first one since 2012. So it tells you what kind of level they were on last night. You know, Tyler Duffy bounces or on, on Saturday night, Tyler Duffy bounces the pitch. Wild pitch allows the run to score. When he came off the field, he absolutely yelled into his glove. He was so upset with himself. Yeah. Um, Williams has to deal with the dive into first, and then you know there's some more emotion when he gets told that he has to go back to first, even though they, it was like the inadvertent whistle in in football when the ref uh, blows the whistle bef- before the uh, f- the play is done and the fumbles. Like you see that all the time where a fumble gets overturned because the refs blew the whistle. Uh, it felt like that's what happened there because I don't even know what Francisco Lindor's two throws were, but Williams Estadio was headed with the full head of steam into second base and thought he was supposed to be there. And, uh, you know, he was fired up. And then he, the bench was fired up after Scopes triple. Um, it was an emotional game. They, they needed to let loose. I think you could see it in Mitch Garver's celebration as he rounded first base after yeah. the home run. Yeah. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez wearing his glove. In all those highlights, <laughs> yeah. standing at the top step with his glove. I mean, this this was a team that really needed to get over Michael Pineda, the disappointment in the worst way, and this was sort of their their outlet on Saturday night. They showed some fire for sure, and it was it was good to see. Obviously, this time of year, and 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 man, uh, what a what a huge hit from Jonathan Scope, who's obviously taking some lumps this year, but uh, we've talked about him. Stepping up as of late, had a couple uh, uh, big home runs recently too, but that might have been his biggest hit yet, just uh, how tight everybody was probably in that stadium at that time, especially after uh, they couldn't buy a hit on Friday night and were having trouble Saturday too. They had plenty of chances against Savali to um, bust that game open and just couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. And, and and Scope finally put him ahead, and then obviously Garver with the with the big blast too. But that, that whole sequence – um, cause that was right. At, that was all within the span of an inning, right? The ejection and the, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that given, all, all given that the context huge. of it all, uh, think about this. We're discussing it post game. Um, they lose that game. They are four and a half up going into Sunday with a, with Clevenger on the mound and Todd Nick. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and I it it's the perfect scenario where the Indians they they're still three and a half out if they they sweep you know that kind of thing. Right. But it's it's that perfect. Twins aren't the Twins aren't done yet, but the the Indians have knocked that left leg out essentially um, with with the sweep and the Twins reeling because of Pineda. It changes the whole narrative yep. of things for them to rally and, and get that victory. It was huge, and you could see it. Um, Mitch Garver had a, a great game, um, and he's had some big moments, but that was his biggest, and, and he, that's why he took the curtain call. Um, oh, by the way, by the way, the ball's juiced. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you know this, but yes. that home run shows how juiced the ball is because maybe that's a fly out last year or two <laughs> years ago, whatever it was, is that that – the ball's juiced. I mean, Mitch Garver puts good swings on the ball, but um, that was his first true opposite field home run. He hit some to right center, um, but that is a, a sure sign. The ball's juiced, sixty-one degrees, and that ball got out. Um, it was it was up, and he hit it well, but uh, that ball does not normally go out off the right-handed bat. Uh, but it was well, a the guy who gave big the moment quote. nonetheless. Yeah, he's the guy who gave you the quote about if you know, you know if you're not trying to hit home runs in this day and age, what are you doing? So, yeah, he's right. Put the ball in the air, and you never know. And 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 to your point, Dan, yeah, I, I, the one thing the Twins could not have happen uh, this weekend was to get swept. And and Saturday night obviously took that off the table. Um, and and man, it would have been would have been a stressful Sunday if uh, if it hadn't uh, happened that way because of Clevenger on the mound um, and just the momentum shifting all that way. But um, Looking forward now, uh, the Twins obviously are not done yet. They still uh, uh, have some work to do here to finish off Cleveland. But uh, let's, uh, on the heels of the Pineda news, uh, it, assuming this team can finish this off and make the playoffs, Dan, what's your ideal playoff rotation with Pineda out of the mix? I, I think Odorizzi, I mean, this is something that obviously we're being hypothetical because this is a decision you make on uh, – the last week of the season. And and right. if they win the division, they have a couple days to play around with this. Um, you know, the, to the winner uh, goes the spoils. Well, you uh, your season ends Sunday, and the AL division series would not begin till Friday, the uh, 4th of October. So, um, uh, Zach, for our travel budget, we want the Twins to win the division uh, so that they, we don't have to fly multiple places for their season to continue. Right, um, right. Yes, and and also for my sanity and rest, we want the Twins to win the division and not play in the wild card. So uh, that's where, uh, anyways, a uh, uh, little mini uh, segue over there. Um, I I think if they get there, you know, if it was right now, Jake Odorizzi's one. Uh, my number two pick is Martin Perez. Um, his last five starts, you know, especially the way he pitched in Boston. He was electric. It was as good as a fastballs from him as we've seen all year. And when he has the fastball working at both sides of the plate like he did, he then can use his cutter. He can use his changeup, his curveball, all that stuff. But the fastball being 94 to 96 is key. And he showed against the, the Red Sox how good he can be. But that's a big – is he going to carry that out over the course of September? Um, we, we, we need to see the proof from him that he can – and and if he does, then I, that's my number two because right now, Jose Barrios has just been too much all over the place. His fastball was as good as it's been in Boston as well, 
uh, but he is still making the mistakes and they're getting hit. Now, he could easily, with three good starts to me, springboard um, to the front of the pack here and and be that guy again. And I, I think Jose has it in him, but he's got to clean it up real quick. And, and you know, it's good sign that the velocity's there, um, but he can't get burned by mistake pitches. And not that the first one to Mookie Betts was a mistake, I don't think, you know. Mookie Betts in 28 of uh, 30 ballparks, the home run he hit over the Green Monster uh, in the first inning off Barrios is an out. It was a 94-mile-an-hour fly ball off the bat. It had an expected batting average of 0-3-0, but at <laughs> Fenway Park, that ball goes out. And uh, so, you know, but the second one where Mookie might have got a cheapy on the first one, Mookie did not get cheated on the second one and ran into it and destroyed it. And we've seen that with Barrios a little bit too much lately where guys are on and, and he makes a mistake pitch and they catch it. So um, right now my my rotation is Odorizzi, Perez, uh, Barrios, and Gibson in, in the fourth spot. And Gibson should come back uh, during this upcoming national series, which is really fortunate timing given Pineda. Um, but they're going to have to go bullpen every fifth day and uh, have to lean on this group that they have. Um, so it's going to be a lot of work, man. And and they need Gibson. The, the one wild card is Gibson has the stuff, um, but you know they he's been inconsistent all year. So it's a, it's a good thing the Yankees, if, if they line up with them, the Yankees don't have the best starting pitching. So that's the matchup I think the Twins fans, as weird as that is to say it, the Twins should be looking <laughs> yeah. for. A matchup with the Yankees because they don't have the starting pitching that Houston does. Take the over on those games for sure. But uh, we yes, uh, looking forward as you mentioned, Dan, the uh, Washington Nationals coming to town. Brian Dozier's Washington Nationals coming to town. A tricky series for the Twins, obviously sandwiched in between uh, the two series. They probably have had their eyes on for a while now. But Washington, no slouch, lined up for a wild card spot in the National League. We will be back with you. Uh, Thursday, I think, in the middle of that series. Uh, yep. because that's a Thursday night. And you'll have the, the report, the in depth report on Brian Dozier's return. Yes. Dan is making me write a story on Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday, right? Yes. That's when you yeah. need me? Okay. Tuesday cool. or uh, when you can turn it on Wednesday. Nobody's going to notice. That's true. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody will call me out on that. But yeah. Um, that, that'll do it for us this time on Pucky. We'll do it live. Dan, any final thoughts? Yeah, just one thing. Uh, Jake Odorizzi looked it up while we are BSing here. Uh, last year against the Indians, 723 ERA and five starts. So 161 this year, and the team is 4-1 and one in those, or 3-1 and one in those games, I believe. Um, pretty good difference there. The more you know. There yep. you go. Thank you this time to producer Tyler for making it sound good. Producer Adam uh, is driving back from the beach, so we gave him the day off. But uh, he will be back next time. We'll be back next time. Yeah. In the middle. Go ahead. What do you got? Oh, we got to get him in. Starring role next time. Starring the Nationals yeah, are in town. We'll get the Nationals minute post game uh, breakdown after it's all over. Does that sound <laughs> good? Should have had him for the preview. This sucks. Oh, whatever. It's, you know what? We might have. We, might have to we know. We know he's going to listen to this later. So let's just. We don't need Adam that much. So you know, we just. <laughs> Just let's let's bury him. It's that's it's a good cool. point. It's fine. That's a good point. All right, we'll catch you Thursday. Bye, everybody. All right, here it is. Our second installment 
of our newest segment, the Nationals Minute with producer Adam. Hi, producer Adam. How are you? Hi, da- uh, Zach. How are you? Oh, God. I did it again. Unbelievable. He'll learn sometime. I think Dan did better at speaking into the mic uh, on this show than he did on the last show, though. So he he did. We're still working on a couple little things with him, yeah. but he was able to actually talk into the mic this time, which was nice. Yeah, yeah it was very good. So to refresh the uh, memory, uh, the Nationals Minute was born out of a, uh, a need for uh, some payback to the city of Washington, D.C. The Twins, of course, uh, were once the Senators, stolen away in 1961. The least we can do here at Political Nation is give our resident Nationals fan, producer Adam, a little time to talk about his team. And it's especially relevant this week to Twins fans because, of course, the next opponent on the schedule is the Washington Nationals, who lead the National League wildcard race currently by three games. I'm not sure if that is uh, going to be the case by Monday morning. It looks like most of the games are done for today. Uh, But, Adam, how are you feeling about this series and how scared should Twins fans be? I really don't think they should be too scared right now, to be completely honest. The Nationals just finished up a series with Atlanta where they only won one out of the four games. Atlanta just dominated them. And how how did they do it? It's just like I said to you the other day on the last podcast. You get to the starter. And it's not even you have to get to the starter by scoring four or five runs. You get to the starter, score one or two runs, and that's it. For whatever reason, the Nationals' bats... They're just not there right now. Yes, they beat Atlanta on Sunday 9-4, but they had lost four games before that. And just from the first pitch, it just seemed like the Nationals just weren't into the game. You hope as a Nationals fan, maybe beating Atlanta on Sunday has turned over a new foot for them and they're going to get back to actually waking up when the first pitch is and not in the eighth or ninth inning. But if you're Minnesota, I'm not too worried about the Nationals right now. Lost four straight after that uh, thriller against the Mets, where they scored seven in the ninth, huh? Yeah, it just wow. seems it seems like that that eleven ten win, like you said, that thriller where they came back in the ninth inning. It it seems like it took four games for them just to get over that that win, the excitement of that win. But I mean, if you're if you're playing for a postseason berth, you got to wake up the next day, be ready to play, put whatever happened, win or lose, behind you, and you got to come in ready to win every single game. Wow, momentum is just dead. Doesn't even exist anymore. Crazy. All right, let's go over the pitching matchups. Uh, first up, is Sanchez. Who is that? Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle Sanchez. Okay, um, he has a no hitter to his resume, doesn't he? Pretty sure he does from uh, the Tigers' days. But anyway, continue. But How is he doing this year? He's been pitching pretty well. He started off the season a little bit slow, but he's he's gotten back on track. He's got a record of eight and seven, four point one one ERA. He's been. He's been what the Nationals have needed for the most part this season. Uh, he's he's solid. He'll get you six, seven innings, and you hope that the bullpen can do what they haven't done all year, which is hold a lead. So I, I would say with Annabelle Sanchez, you have a good chance of winning if the bats are alive. But again, that's been an issue lately. All right, and then on Wednesday, it'll be Steven Strasburg. I know that one. Uh, is he still the second coming of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, somebody really good? How is he doing? He's doing great. He's Okay. He's, he's, he's already got 16 wins this year. Other than Max, what's his last name? Oh, Scherzer, the best Scherzer, pitcher in baseball. Yeah. As a Twins fan, Strasburg is the other guy you just don't want to face, especially this season. He's been obviously good at every year of his career for the most part. 
But this year, he's just he's been lights out. His curveball is Clayton Kershaw esque. It's been okay. he's been just so much fun to watch. Not even as a Nationals fan, but just as a baseball fan, especially if you like pitching. He's just been one of those guys that he'll throw a pitch and you'll just sit there and just in awe of what he just did. Okay. Well, that doesn't sound promising, uh, but at least there's no Max Scherzer on the docket. The last pitcher of the series is Corbin. I'm guessing that's not Tyrone Corbin. No, it's not Tyrone Corbin. It's this, this gentleman named Patrick Corbin. Patrick. Yeah. Okay. Also looks pretty good. As as I'm sure you know, he was the big offseason signing. He was the big free agent this past offseason, not just for the Nationals, but on all of baseball. And the Nationals were able to lock him up. He's an eleven game winner so far this year. And he's he's been really good for the for them. I mean, he's been everything that you would want as a general manager for the Nationals in the front office as a fan. When you sign a big name free agent, you want them to come in and produce it's it's exactly what he's done. So he's he's delivered. Meanwhile, your Nationals will be going up against the uh, three most struggling twin starters uh, currently. So that should be interesting. Basically, what we're saying is it's going to have to be a uh, Twins win it in the seventh, eighth, and ninth kind of series. It sounds like. Yes and no. Like I said, if some <laughs> if somehow the Twins can get to these starting pitchers, I think they're going to be perfectly fine. I don't see any way it can happen, producer Adam. I think it's a national sweep. It's it's uh, it is written. You're calling a national sweep. Well, I'm trying to jinx it, but yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Wow. Uh, no, realistically though, I think that uh, this is a tough series for the Twins because obviously it's a good team, but with the Indians on either side of it, uh, and obviously all the attention on those games, it's probably going to be tough to get up for the national league visitors. Although, uh, there will be one friendly face in town. That will be uh, fun for everybody to see Brian Dozier. Um, I haven't even looked at his stats this year. How's he been doing? Is he as beloved in Washington as he was in Minnesota? No, not quite. Uh, <laughs> but he's been fine. He started off the season really slow. Uh, but he picked it up a little bit, and and he's been he's been fine. I mean that that's really the. I, I wish I had another way to describe what he's been this year. He's been fine. The Dodgers would have taken fine last year. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Yes. Two th- thirty five, nineteen homers. That sounds about f- pretty familiar for the last couple years of. Uh, yeah, of Brian and and Dozier he's done what he does. He starts off slow, and he he got hot later on in the season. Yeah. And All I will right. say, to your point, when you were talking about the Indians on both sides of this, and it might be tough to get up for a National oh, League opponent. Oh, you guys have the Braves on both it's sides. It's the same yeah. way with the Nationals. Yeah. They just wow. finished a series with the Braves. They play Minnesota for three, and then they got Atlanta again. That's just cute. Well, um, all that said, Producer Adam, I think we've gone well over a minute here, but that's fine. Uh, your prediction for this series? Twins win game one, Nationals win two and three. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say... Twins win the first and the third. First and third. The second. Strasburg is gonna gonna shut him down with what was it? A curveball? Yeah, his curveball. Or his fastball. Or anything. Really, as long as he just the ball comes out of his hand, it's gonna be nasty. All right. Of course, a lot of this depends on the twins' health, which we talked about at length on this show. Uh Dan and I will be back with you in the middle of this uh Nationals twin series. We'll be able to talk about the Thursday game with more context, producer Adam, uh, with another Nationals minute on Thursday. But once again, thanks everybody for listening and thank you producer Adam for joining us. We'll see you next time.